The medical health information provided during this program is for general information and educational purposes only and is not a substitute for professional advice. None of the given information is for the purpose of diagnosis or treatment. Neither does this program serve as approval for any health product or brand. This program aims to enhance your personal health and wellness through the adoption of healthy lifestyles and your prompt presentation to the health professional whenever you suspect that you are ill. For treatment and professional advice, ensure you consult your physician. Welcome to Say Yes to Good Health with Memorial Hospital. I'm Melanie Cole, and I invite you to join us as we discuss breast cancer and surgical options available at Memorial Hospital. Joining me is Dr. Peter Pearl. He's a general surgeon at Memorial Hospital. Dr. Pearl, it's such a pleasure to have you back with us again today. So as we get into some of those options, before we talk about any of that stuff, tell us about the risk for breast cancer and what is it that increases our risk as women? You have to remember that breast cancer is the most commonly diagnosed cancer and the second most common cause of death in the United States for women. So it's something that really needs to be addressed and we want those numbers to go down. But there are several risk factors. There's some that you just can't modify. As you get older, your risks go up. Actually, you know, obviously being a female, your risk is there more than males. Having a family history, again, having that genetic history is really a a large risk factor. Dense breast could be a risk factor. This needs to be looked at closer. So those are the ones that you really don't have any way to modify. But again, back to our usual things, people that are overweight or obese have a higher risk factor. Some of the things that if you have pregnancy at a later age or if you don't breastfeed can sometimes increase your risks. But again, alcohol and smoking are a easily modifiable risk factor that we we need to look at all the time for breast cancer as well as other disease processes. And then some feel that there may be a benefit to eating lower fat diets, not as high of a factor as other disease processes, but it's still there. And then physical activity is good overall health as well as your risk of breast cancer. What an excellent list. Ladies, I hope that you took note of that list from Dr. Pearl because that was excellent and very comprehensive. So let's speak a little bit about breast cancer screening. Now, I'm a 57-year-old woman, so I've been having mammograms for quite a while every single year also because you even mentioned dense breasts. We, you know, I get an ultrasound, so I get a whole breast ultrasound done every year as well, because that puts me at that increased risk. What do you want to tell women listening about these mammograms and the importance of that type of screening? Well, before we get to that, I want to mention one of the things that we need to emphasize and still emphasize is physical exams. Women need to do a self-breast exam. They are their best advocate. They're going to find things that aren't right or seem different faster than their physicians or anyone else. So, I want to just stress that it's very important to start that at a younger age, get used to doing it on a monthly basis. And if you find something, go into your doctor and get it checked because you're going to find things faster than other people. Beyond that, then again, we have the screening mechanisms. Mammogram is still the mainstay unless you have some other risk factors, particularly the the hereditary side. Then mammograms usually start at 40. If you find something, though, you're going to get something earlier. So if you came in at age... 32 with a a problem, we're going to check that out with mammogram and likely ultrasound. Like you said, ultrasound is good for finding lesions that 
may be amenable to less invasive diagnostics. So the two mainstays are mammogram and ultrasound. There are people that need MRIs the breast, but those are not the vast majority of people. And then if they find something that's not cancer, like I had a papilloma, a couple of them. One, I did have a lumpectomy for. So that kind of thing, Dr. Pearl, is something that you might recommend that's minimally invasive, right? But also takes care of an issue that, what, could cause problems later on? Right. Obviously, the, the first thing is to get an image of it to see what it looks like. The radiologists are very good at looking at this saying, we feel this needs to be diagnosed with pathology or it's something they feel that they can watch. But typically, if it's not palpable, it's usually dealt with by a needle localized biopsy where you're getting some tissue by just putting needle into it, which hopefully shows that it's benign, it's not cancerous, something that we don't necessarily need to take out. There are some that you palpate and women would rather have those out, so we do make an open biopsy, but I think that's becoming less and less now that we're finding stuff so early that you can't even feel it. We're doing that needle localized biopsy to get a tissue diagnosis to make sure that it's something we need to act on further as if it's a malignancy or if it's benign, something to give the woman, you know, some confidence that she can keep going on and not worry about it as much. Peace of mind. That is absolutely the case. I can speak to that. So when after a breast cancer diagnosis, because that is certainly so many of us, it's a big fear. When might surgery be recommended? And tell us a little bit about the surgical options that are out there. Well, typically we're going to look at surgery with either ductal carcinoma in situ, which again is cancer that hasn't broken out, or early cancers. Those are We're seeing those more often now because we're doing the screenings more. You're going to be given choices, and usually women are choosing the call it the breast conservation or the lumpectomy, as you talked about, where you're taking just a piece of breast tissue. Typically with that, you're also doing what's called a sentinel lymph node, which means you're checking the first few nodes in the axilla to see if there's any signs of cancer spread. That's the most probably common route now. There still is a procedure, modified radical mastectomy, for people when they want the entire breast and all of the tissue taken out. That may be an option for someone that that may come in with more advanced cancer. There are some women that want that done just as a choice. They'd rather not go through the modified because part of the treatment of people that have breast conservation is typically radiation therapy to that breast. You have to think about you've taken, you've localized the cancer, you've taken it out, but you still have remaining breast tissue behind that needs to be treated. And typically we're going to treat that with radiation. So with so many options, how does a woman decide, Dr. Pearl, how do you work with women? I mean, obviously they're in a very distressed state. And when you talk about breast conservation and reconstruction, and now a lot of these things are done at the same time, right? They are. Sometimes there is early breast cancers that could be reconstructed. Typically that is done by plastic surgeons. Some plastic surgeons would rather wait until you make sure that all the pathology is done, that you're not going to need any more treatments before they do anything. But there are some that are getting immediate reconstruction. How I treat women is treat them like I would want my family treated. You have to give them options. You have to help them understand. I want them to understand their options and not look at me for the final decision. I'm going to work with them. They need to be comfortable 
with the procedures that we're coming up with. And if they're comfortable with things, then things are going to work out a lot better for everybody, for me as a surgeon and for that person as a patient and their family. Well, that's certainly an excellent philosophy of care. And what can a woman expect when she comes into Memorial Hospital to see you and for a breast cancer surgery? What is that like for her and for her family? She is going to have usually come through her primary care. They're going to have done a test. I like to see them hopefully before they've even had the abnormality biopsied, but sometimes they come in after the tissue is there. I explain to them how good it is that we found things early. And that's the beauty of these screening exams and also the biopsies is even if we're finding a cancer, it's typically at a very early stage. And that's much better than waiting for this to grow and become a bigger problem. So we're going to explain to them what the diagnosis is, what that means between having an invasive cancer or possibly having that ductal carcinoma in situ. We're going to talk about the surgery. Typically, I'd like to to have them do the less invasive, but I'm going to work with whatever their choice is. There's a level of comfort in, in women, and I want them to be happy and comfortable with the choice they've made. I don't want them all to have one thing. We're giving them choices because part of the healing and, and getting better from this process is having the positivity within themselves that they made the right choice and that they're going to do well from that choice. So we're going to give them those options. We're going to do the procedure. We're going to have the final pathology back. And then typically after I'm done, they're going to go on to an oncologist to talk about some of the other treatments that may be available, which are, as you said, there are a lot of different scenarios that people fall into. There is so much more involved today than even 10 or 15 years ago, testing the cancer, seeing how amenable it is to treatment options, kind of giving people, it's a good choice or a bad choice to go through different treatments. So there is a lot of activity after surgery, after we hopefully clear the, the breast of the cancer and moving on to the rest of their life. Well, it's certainly a lot of great information. So Dr. Pearl, you and I were talking off air a little bit about the importance of these screening mammograms and the screening options that we do have for breast cancer, including learning self-exams. I mean, I started my daughter right at like 16 and in her first gynae visit, it's something that, you know, the doctor teaches. It's so important that we learn our own body. And you have some stories about the importance of screening, don't you? Yes. I mean, uh, women, a lot of them get involved in kind of cancer detect or cancer screening programs where they're going in every year and they see someone. It's just one, again, as we talked about at the break, stressing how important it is to keep up the yearly vigilance of getting that mammogram. I have many stories of women that started at a young age, been going to these. They thought about stopping because they're getting a little bit older. They're maybe getting in their 60s and all of a sudden they do their 25th or 30th visit. And lo and behold, we find an abnormality in the breast. We found an early breast cancer, which is where we want to find things. And they have, you know, a good outcome. So being persistent and doing those screenings is the best way for you to either find cancer early or find abnormalities that aren't cancer that can be treated. So again, I can't stress how important it is, as you said, the self-breast exam and getting those screening tests, which are available widely. They're available here in Carthage. They're available throughout the country. So we need to keep pushing women to get that done. 
Well, I'd like to stress to women myself, because that is how my papillomas were found. And I'm glad that they were. And ladies, while it may seem scary to get your mammogram, they don't hurt. And nowadays, there's so much new technology. So it's better to know. And as Dr. Pearl says, to find these things early. And even if it's some benign thing, boy, the peace of mind that you get really helps you to go on with your life and take care of your family and your loved ones. And now if they find something, and as we've said, there's so many options. Dr. Pearl, tell us about the surgery itself and the hospital stay and what that's like and what you do as far as making women feel comfortable. Because I mean, let's be honest, sometimes it is a little bit of about vanity. I mean, we want to get the cancer out or whatever it is, but we also don't want to look or feel like there's some part of our womanhood that is lost now. So I know you can understand this, right? Yes. I mean, I I see breast surgery as an opportunity for me to bring out kind of the art and science of medicine. I want the woman to be comfortable with the decision. And as we talked about earlier, the minimally invasive surgery is probably more common than doing a mastectomy. But whatever the choice is, I want to get an adequate specimen, clear the cancer, but I also want to keep the cosmesis. I want the woman to feel comfortable with the end result. Obviously, no matter what you do, there may be a defect there, but I don't want it to feel like they've been invaded. I don't want to say mutilated, but just I want it to look as good as possible. And that's my goal is to clear the cancer, but also to preserve their dignity and, and as you said, their womanhood. They want to go through this, but they don't want to be scarred. And that's my goal is to make it as good as possible. What about women, Dr. Pearl, that are still of childbearing age? Is there a difference in, in how you go about things? Well, they, you know, they still need to be taken care of. If you're doing something on the breast, you know, could you potentially disrupt the duct system that if they wanted to breastfeed we try to we try to be as non-invasive as possible but the primary goal is to treat if that is a cancer we have to treat the cancer we want that woman to live a long life and to be able to continue to have children if they choose so yes we do want to preserve the breast tissue as much as possible we also need to get an adequate treatment of that cancer so that's our primary goal And now how long are we, you know, usually in the hospital? And you've mentioned this word minimally invasive a few times. Some listeners may not know what that means. How long is the hospital stay and what's minimally invasive mean? Minimally invasive means as kind of a small incision as possible as far as it's not like abdominal surgery where you're bringing in scopes, et cetera. If there's a needle localization of that non-palpable lesion, we're trying to make a small incision and go down and get the tissue we need. If someone's undergoing what we call the, you know, breast conservation or taking a portion of the breast, again, we're trying to make it as as small as possible, but get the adequate margins, you know, different than the mastectomy when the entire breast comes off. But the stays typically for those breast conservation or especially the needle localized or small open procedures is same day. You're, you're going to go home the same day with the incision and follow up afterwards to discuss the pathology. So... The mastectomy is, a, is an inpatient procedure, but typically it's just a day or two in the hospital. So they're not long-term stays. If you're in the hospital, it certainly is a, a short stay, but the majority, vast majority of them are outpatient procedures. Isn't that amazing? What you can do today and what positive outcomes have you seen post-surgery? you have any good stories for us? Well, it's just 
wonderful, number one, if you have a person that you can come up with a, you know, a benign or a non-cancerous, there's, it's very gratifying to see how happy they are. They've gone through a lot of stress and now, you know, at least they have a, a negative result. Again, emphasizing them that is a negative result, but to keep vigilant, you, need, you can't predict the future and you need to keep on this for the rest of their life. But when we do find cancers, typically they're very early, which is great. I mean, the cure rate of those early stage cancers is, you know, well over 95% on a five-year basis. So the earlier we find things, if we can keep the majority of malignancy or breast cancer at that early stage, our chances of curing those people. We kind of consider a cure if you're disease-free for five years, but that's very gratifying. But again, you may be on paper cured, but you need to know that you have had a disease process that you need to be vigilant the rest of your life. Certainly true. Now, there are for some women, Dr. Pearl, this BRCA gene, and we talked a little bit about that hereditary factor for breast cancer. When some women do get that genetic test and find that out, do they come talk to you about the options for prophylactic mastectomy to reduce their risk? Is this something that you discuss with them or is this with their primary care? Who do they discuss that with? Typically, if they have had that testing, then that bilateral mastectomy has become more prominent. The The chances of developing breast cancer are so much higher in those people that carry that gene that they really would rather not take a chance. They want an early mastectomy and usually with reconstruction later. So it is something that that we could do here at Carthage. It is typically when they're doing that testing, it's been done by their oncologist or someone that they've been referred to. So it's it could we get it done here? We we could, but typically it's not something that we're gonna order a lot here at Carthage, but if they want to have their treatment, doing the surgery is certainly a a possibility. And again, I want to work with the patient to get this done. And also typically we'll be talking to the the plastic surgeon, trying to get them to see that person beforehand to talk about what the process of, of reconstruction is, if that's desired. Well, it's certainly a comprehensive, and as you've been mentioning all these other specialists, it's a multidisciplinary approach that you're taking. Do you have any final thoughts for us about screening, lifestyle, risk factors for breast cancer? Dr. Pearl, you really have so much knowledge to offer, so wrap it up for us with your best advice for women about the importance of screening and the options that are out there and lifestyle, all of those things to reduce our risk. Yeah, it is, it is again, stressing from the top down, the, the self-pressed exam and getting your routine mammograms or imaging is the key. Finding things early is the key to getting a cure. Finding things early is also, if there is a cancer, just the, the armamentarium of the oncologist being able to test things, being able to target therapy based on the tissues All of that is just amazing at getting things done and getting women cured of this terrible disease. And we want to continue to do that. We want to continue to reduce the stage that we find things. And obviously, we've talked about this, things that you can do, alcohol, tobacco abuse, things like that, that that are easy, modifiable situations. A lot of your genetic makeup, you can't do anything about, but how you act as a woman And how you take care of your body is also important in reducing your risk of breast cancer and other disease processes. But breast cancer, we want to get down to where we don't see it anymore or see it as early stage as possible. 
What great advice. Thank you so much, Dr. Pearl, for joining us today and really giving us what we need to hear about the importance of screening and a healthy lifestyle to reduce our risk for breast cancer. Thank you again. And to schedule a consultation with Dr. Peter Pearl, you can call 217-357-2173. That concludes this episode of Say Yes to Good Health with Memorial Hospital. For more health tips like you heard here and great health information, you can go to our website at mhtlc.org. We'd like to thank our audience and invite you to download, subscribe, rate and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And be sure to share this show with your friends and family on your social channels. We're learning from the experts at Memorial Hospital together. I'm Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening. The medical health information provided during this program is for general information and educational purposes only and is not a substitute for professional advice. None of the given information is for the purpose of diagnosis or treatment. Neither does this program serve as approval for any health product or brand. This program aims to enhance your personal health and wellness through the adoption of healthy lifestyles and your prompt presentation to the health professional whenever you suspect that you are ill. For treatment and professional advice, ensure you consult your physician.